bringing you his authentic perspectives on important topics. They live in suburbs together. They live in the city together. They hang out together, all in the same family. We're the only idiots that fight because we want our voice to only be on one side. Like, does that even make any sense? And when the side loses, you lose everything. They, on the other hand, have a voice no matter what because somebody that looks like them is always in, in control. Frank, candid, and straight to the point. Well, it's just a skewed uh, system. Of course it is. It's a lot but, of judgment. But, but answer there, my question, though. Should we let people what? go? Should we let people go? Like, let's just forget about bail altogether. And if your neighbor commits what a homicide and kills people up... Nah, if you kill people and they next to you and you just let them come back and live right next to you, they can live upstairs from you. Let them come in your house. This is The Truth of the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on 1017 The Truth and The Truth app. Now, he's the mayor of the city of Milwaukee. He's a young man. Give him a chance. I only complain about things that I care about. What I want you to do is pretend like I'm in St. Louis. And all I'm asking the mayor and the common council president and the common council, show me. Now, live from the American Family Insurance Studio in Milwaukee, here is Dr. Ken Harris. turns the volume up and I get accused of it on Friday and it's a I never I never leave the volume up do I ever leave the volume up when I leave ever I turn the lights down I turn the volume down so you could barely hear it and that's it now I've come here over the weekend like to the avenue and the lights in here will be on so I know somebody comes in here so y'all better put a uh Y'all better put a camera in here. Oh, that's right. We do have a camera. My bad. <laughs> uh-uh. You wait. You wait till I talk to them morning. You wait till I talk to them morning. It's going to be a fight up in here. 833-212-1017 is the number. Can you tell I'm in a good mood? I'm in a phenomenal, excellent, albeit, wait a minute, overheated mood. Because why is it when it gets cold outside, it gets hot in here? And when it's hot outside, it's freezing in here. Like, what is that? 833-212-1017 is the number. You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris. So I was doing some soul searching over the weekend. And I, I thought about the fact of all the times that I that I actually didn't win in life, or I'd never. So I'm. I'm. Uh oh, it's another one of those transparent days, right? Contrary to popular belief, I'm an introverted extrovert. I tend to only talk to people that I know, and if I don't know you, then I probably won't talk to you. Not probably. <laughs> I'm not gonna talk to you. So. I, I usually talk to people. I kind of warm up to people because I don't really, you know, I walk past. Oh, he's so aloof. 
He's so arrogant. He's so this, right? But truth be told, in the back of your mind, you always have these things that you want to do in life. And as I got older, I never really was able to complete those things, right? So when I got into radio, one of the things that I always wanted to do was to win an award. Like you wanted your peers to say, ah, dude, you did great. But that's not going to always happen. And so I, I thought I stayed in long enough and got a couple of awards from the Illinois Broadcasters Association, like third place, second place, you know, stuff like that. It was, you know, I, I, I thought it was okay. But in my brain, I was always wanting to, like, be considered the best at something. But throughout my life, I never really paid enough attention and gave enough attention in order to get something done, right? To say, I did it and I got it. So then I went into law enforcement. Now, you're, you're talking about a guy that grew up with radios under his pillow, transistor radios that none of y'all know anything about. Um, now we call them cell phones. <laughs> but under under my pillow, listening to the radio, old time radio, any kind of radio, music radio, talk radio. I just loved the medium of radio. Went to University of Illinois, Chicago, went to WUIC. That's where I literally started being on the radio at a college station and worked through and worked at NPR stations and commercial and on and on and on. And then I decided to be a cop. And I never quite got past like that third place piece, right? And I, so I just kind of, my personality is that internally I just went, well, I guess it's not for me and it's not a big deal. And so that's what I did. And so I went into law enforcement and then when I got into law enforcement, it was a, it was, it was a different set of rules, right? It's, it's a different set of rules in a different world where in order to be considered, hey, you got something, right? You had to get written up for an award, which is called a merit arrest or some other life-saving thing or something, right? But I got a merit arrest, something that isn't given out easily. Well, it wasn't back then. And I received one for tracking down an armed robbery suspect, myself and my partner and everybody that was there in the snow, tracked them four or five Blocks, tracked them to their house, found the stuff, everything. Ended up being some juveniles. But it was, it was one of those things, right? I actually, it wasn't the pinnacle, but I think I reached a level where I won an award for something that I did. And in the back of my mind, I never quite did it. I've worked on some award-winning programs, and later those awards went on to win Emmys and stuff like that. But I wasn't attached to it. I kind of worked on the crew and did some stuff, and that was about it. And it was no big deal. So for me to circle back into radio, it was kind of, you know, I thought it would be kind of cool that I would just kind of roll in and do some stuff and they're doing a news station and, you know, I'll do a year or so and then I'll just, you know, I don't know, roll out of here, right? But, you know, Cherie Harris and, and, my sister from another mister, 
and Kyle Wallace, my brother from another mother, put all this stuff together and came up with the idea and ran the content and sales and, you know, bought pails and buckets and whatever needed to be done, they did it. And, you know, sometimes had to put gum instead of cement in some places to hold it together. And that first year, we won some awards. Best uh, morning show. What did I get? Third place. Couple places, second place, right? And so in my brain, my introverted, extrovert brain said, hey, that's you, dude. And I'm always used to being number two. I remember sitting there last year and I said, at, at, the, at these awards, and I said, yep, I guarantee I'm going to get number two. And I was asked, why would you say that? I said, because in my life, I was always number two. I, I, was, I was never that guy. And they kind of laughed at me. <laughs> and then I got number two. And they kind of looked at me like, hey, I'm used to it. Right? If you have no expectations, you're never disappointed. And so this year, ironically, they had this thing, again, Wisconsin Broadcasters Association. And I was up against two of my teammates, which is kind of cool, but then kind of weird because we're all in this together. At that point, I didn't care because I said, I'm, I'm in the midst of teammates, so we win no matter what. And I thought that was fine. But then how did I get here? Like, how did all this happen? And I had to realize that sometimes I'll read things on the air that are important, but I tend to talk to you and, and I'm not actually talking to me. And so one of the things I learned is I went to the awards show thinking, eh, no big deal, and ended up winning the Wisconsin Broadcasters Association Large Market Best News Talk Show. Best show, right? So that meant I was in first place. Pretty much messed up my loving to be number two thing, right? I kind of blew that out the water. But the fact that I was up against John McCure from 620, and Sherwin Hughes meant I wasn't up against them. We were kind of in it together. And that's what the great thing was about it. But then I had to remember that this is the win. Like right from this point forward in life, I can always say I was number one. And no one can take that away from you. But I remember days of being here, days of being in law enforcement, days of being in my early radio sh uh, career, working in, in freelance, this or that. And, uh, and I remember thinking to myself, I should probably quit. Because this isn't going to 
maybe maybe I don't have, you know, that voice you tell yourself and then you get imposter syndrome. You start telling yourself, well, maybe I'm not supposed to be doing this. Maybe this is maybe I'm not as as good as people say, because I because I'm never going to like I can convince myself you're never going to win. Somebody else will always win because you're OK. But you're actually not the best. And so I was complacent. I just kind of went, oh, OK. So then if that's the case, then I may as well go full bore instead of trying to be the best for them, be the best for me. And so that's what I did. As I was driving home and I had the award and I went to go visit my daughter and all that and stopped by. As I was driving home, I had a thought that popped in my head. And I started thinking, how did I get to this place? I, I, I never dreamt this three years ago, two and a half years ago. I was like, eh, okay, we'll do it. And if it's good, it's good. If it's not, meh. I'll be number two, right? I always got my number two. Only to find out this thought popped in my head. How did I get here? How did I get to win best show? Because it wasn't me. It was the producers. It was DZ. Carried on by Kyle. Or was it Kyle carried on by DZ? Anyway, that type of right, the support. The pushing, the new producers, Alex, Rhea, it's it's the constantly never being complacent that did it. Tori Lowe slammed up two first place wins, same thing. Those types of things that, you know, Sherwin, top three. So those are the things I had to remember. How did how did any of us get here? When we started this thing. How did we think we would be where we are today? And that's when the Winston Churchill quote came in. And I thought, hmm, that's saying something. See, God was trying to help me remember what Winston Churchill said. Success is not final. But failure is not fatal. It's the courage to continue that counts. And that is Dr. Ken's Truth on the new 1017 The Truth. The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris is next on 1017 The Truth, the Truth app at 1017thetruth.com. listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris, 833-212-1017 is the number. I got to ask you about AI. I'm not really. Okay. I'm on Sandra's side. I don't trust AI now. I don't trust it. Because it runs by algorithms made by people who have their own proclivities, their own ways of looking at the world. 
things that they think are important. Law enforcement's use of artificial intelligence-driven facial recognition has put everyone into what one expert calls a perpetual police lineup. And studies show it's more likely the finger will be pointing at the wrong person if they're black or Asian. Matthew Gariglia from the nonprofit digital rights group Electronic Frontier Foundation told the BBC, whenever they have a photo of a suspect, they'll compare it to your face. It's far too invasive. Technology's use in police investigations boomed in recent years, particularly after the January 6th riot. 20 out of 42 federal agencies that were surveyed by the Government Accountability Board in 2021 reported they use facial recognition in criminal investigations. But the artificial intelligence algorithm in the technology falsely identified African-American and Asian faces 10 to 100 times more than white faces, according to a 2019 study by the National Institute of Standards and Technology. Since then, several black men have been arrested for crimes they didn't commit it. Three recent cases. Recent cases. Robert Williams in Detroit. Police used a blurry surveillance photo of a suspect in two jewelry store robberies the algorithm matched it to his driver's license, and the case sparked widespread criticism of technology in a lawsuit from the ALCU, the ACLU, American Civil Liberties Union. M- Michael Oliver, Detroit, 2019. 25 when he was arrested during a traffic stop, accused of grabbing a phone from a teacher who was recording a fight outside of school and then breaking it, except Oliver was nowhere near the scene he was actually working. The arrest cost him his job, and he said in previous interviews that he thought he was going to be wrongfully convicted. I've got a son. I've got my family. I've got my own little house paying all my bills. So once I got arrested, I lost my job, and like everything else fell and went down the drain. His charges were dropped a year later. He spent 10 days in jail, and now he's suing the Detroit police In federal court, the same police detective was involved in Oliver's and Williams' arrest, according to Wired, which cited court documents. And then there's Randall Coran Reed, arrested in Atlanta the Friday after Thanksgiving on theft warrants from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, a state he's never been in. It took days for... Reed to learn he was accused of using a stolen credit card to buy designer handbags. After a week of phone calls to family and lawyers, he was ultimately released and the charges were dropped. He said he's considering a lawsuit. Thousands of dollars for something I didn't do, Reed told the New York Times. The case spotlights that the use of facial recognition was never included in official documents a practice that is reportedly becoming more prevalent. They're not saying how they identify people. They're just saying identify. Baton Rouge police haven't officially said the misidentification was because of the use of facial technology or that the technology was even used, but a person with direct knowledge of the investigation confirmed its use to the New York Times. Do you trust AI? 833-212-1017 is the number. Do you trust AI? Do you trust it? To say that 
somebody else committed a crime and you were the victim, would you trust it? Would you trust it if it said you were the actor? Would you trust it? I'm torn. I'm just torn. We're going down a road, and I think Elon Musk was right, that we need to slow down, pause, take a pause. Just take a pause on AI. You know, park it over to the side, and let's figure out how we're going to use it. Because if we start locking people up and using technology to say they did it, now we know eyewitness is already less than 50-50 in terms of accuracy. So we're going to trust AI? Absolutely not. And when it's used against black and Asian men, incorrectly because the algorithm was written for white people that alone should leave you taking a step back and saying, let's not use this. Using it to identify me to come into a building or TSA is one thing using it for me to be able to come in and go to jail is a little, it's a bridge too far. That's just me. What are your thoughts? Would you trust AI in your everyday life? Because I'm about ready to throw out Alexa. I'm getting rid of home cameras and, and all sorts of voice this. And have you ever accidentally said something at home and your Alexa answered you? And so here's, here's why it bothers me. I didn't use the actual name of Alexa and it's still answered. So what is that? Something's wrong with all this stuff. I don't trust AI anymore. I used to. Now I don't trust it. What are your thoughts? Eight three three two one two one zero one seven is the number. I'm I'm at a point where I can actually do without that particular technology. Students are starting to do their homework using chat GPT. Is it GPT? GPT. GPT. George Paul Tom. Okay. He said it to me like GPT. Stupid. (laughs) I mean, really? I get it, but I don't trust it because you can put bogus information into it and then it'll print. I don't know. I don't, I'm, I'm not, I'm not ready yet. And it's not because of my age. It's because it's going to give out information and people are going to take it. They're going to treat it like social media. Hey, I heard it. Chat, chat, whatever it is. Chat GPT said it was right. So it must be right. And it's not. It's just a bunch of stuff stored in one place in the cloud that constantly regurgitates phrases, words, puts them in order. And if enough people say it, it confirms it as being correct. When in fact it's not. Alex was born in 1952. 
And if I put it in chat GPT enough, it'll say Alex was born in 1952. Hey, was Alex born in 1952? Yes. And he wasn't. That's the kind of issue I have with it. We got to get rid of AI. Which is a problem because everything around here runs on technology where somewhere behind it, there's something artificial that's making it go. Oh, I know. We'll just get rid of the whole station. We'll just be gone. More of The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris is next on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. This is The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. Listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris. Eight three three two one two one zero one seven is the number. Be sure to tune in this Saturday, ten a.m. Then making health priority presented by all of us in Milwaukee at the Center for Community Engagement and Health Partnerships. I'll be joined by Dr. Bashir Easter and Reverend Dr. Frederick Jones to discuss health. Outreach, Prevention, Education, and General Baptist State Convention of Wisconsin. They'll be highlighting the positive health benefits of participating in the All of Us Research Program. Make sure you're here to listen. Ben Making Health a Priority at 10 a.m. Presented by All of Us Milwaukee on the new 101.7 The Truth. Oh, by the way, um, next week I'm going to be having uh, a few folks in from... uh, the law enforcement community to celebrate National Law Enforcement Week. I'll be talking to black law enforcement folks about the challenges they face, their careers growing up, the impact they really want to have on our community. Join us next week. Get a deeper understanding of the crucial work police and sheriff's deputies and federal law enforcement officers do by tuning in to me, Truth in the Afternoon, for Law Enforcement Week, 15th through the 19th, right here on the new 1017, The Truth. 833-212-1017 is the number. Okay, this is going to drive me crazy. Let me... Okay. All right. My computer was driving me crazy today, and I couldn't figure out um, how to get something to work. 
to work. And I'm just having one of those days where I'm just going to take my computer and I'm going to throw it across the room and basically break it. Now, granted, it's my computer. It's nobody else's. So nobody can get upset or mad that I broke it. So, But <sighs> you ever just, it must be Monday. It's got to be Monday. It's got to be Monday. You know why it's Monday? Because I'm starting to read stories that are that are that are resurfacing that make me go, wait a minute, does that make any sense? All right, here it goes. For her entire life and her professional career, based on family members' accounts, Elizabeth Hoover said that she was a Native American. So Berkeley professor Elizabeth Hoover admitted she does not have Af- uh, Native American heritage as she has long claimed. And so I'm going to read to you what she wrote. And I want you to, to answer a question for me because there's some, there's some questions I have. So Elizabeth M. Hoover, associate professor of environmental science policy and management, published a long personal essay on her website. She said, I've brought hurt, shame, and broken trust to the, native, to the Native community at large and to specific Native communities I have worked with and lived alongside, and for that I am deeply sorry. I am a white person who has incorrectly identified as Native my whole life based on incomplete information, she wrote in her essay. She continued and said, in, critically, in uncritically living and identified basis on family stories without seeking out a documented con- connection to these communities I caused harm. I heard Native people who have been my friends, colleagues, students, and family both directly through fractured trust and through activating historical harms. This hurt has also interrupted student and faculty life and careers. I acknowledge that I could have presented all of this hurt by investigating and confirming my family story sooner. For this, I am deeply sorry. So here's my question. Hearing what she wrote, she went on to say, having my family claim Native identity does not mean Native nations claimed us. By claiming an identity as a woman of Mohawk and Mi'kmaq descent without confirming it with communities of origin and by not confirming kinship ties back to politically and culturally affiliated indigenous peoples. I betrayed it and hurt my students, collaborators, and friends, and I have negatively impacted people emotionally and culturally. For this hurt I have caused, I am deeply... Okay, first of all, and it does me. First of all, what makes you think that people are going around crying and wounded because you decided that you want to be Native American? I understand the bigger implying of it but that's just like what rachel what's her name from the naacp or urban league wherever she was out in california saying that she was black who cares like i don't if (laughs) we go through life telling people you be you then they be them and then we get mad that they want to decide they want to be like us i'm at a point now where first of all for her to make assumptions that she betrayed and hurt Students and colleagues and friends. Did she go ask them? Were you hurt by that? Would you be hurt by somebody telling you 
that they were black and they're not. 833-212-1017. Would you be? Would you be actually hurt and feel like you wounded and destroyed? First of all, you should have known she was a white woman. But by the way that she said that, how ridiculous are you that you think that your actions are going to wound an entire community? you just one person. Now, what makes you think, oh, they're wounded enough. Don't nobody care that you were saying you was Native American? Least of all, them. Yes, I'm speaking out of turn and I'm being, you know, pontificating, but still. You think you that powerful that you wounded an entire Native American? Really? 833-212-1017. I'm, I'm, I'm confused. I am confused that white people think that they're so powerful that they can destroy a community by pretending to be one of them. Am I that weak? Oh, my God, I can't believe you said you were black. Oh, like what? You've been doing it your whole life. You've been wanting to be black, so just come on be black. You listen to our music. You wear our clothes. You support our culture. Every single thing we do, you eat food we eat. You party with us. You talk like us. You marry us. But then somebody finds out and like, oh. Oh, my God, I'm so sorry what I did to the black community. Ain't nobody thinking about you. You are not that important. And the fact that she wrote this on her personal page as if she was outing herself when most people didn't even care. They were like, oh, she not? Oh, okay. Like, did you get extra money or something? Did you get paid? Did you get your job? Don't we put people in movies to do that? Here, go play a part. Now you can't even do that. Oh, you can't play. Uh, let me see. You have to be. Uh, wait a minute. Uh, are, are you are you Mexican and 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 white, or are you Puerto Rican and white? Because the character is Puerto Rican. So, and then what's the percentage? Well, you only have one parent that's Puerto Rican, so you can't be. Oh, I'm sorry. You only have one parent that's Mexican. You can't. No, no, you can't. Be. Oh, you only got one parent that's black. Sorry, you can't play black. Like what? But for her to actually say this. The fact that she believes that she betrayed them and wounded them like they're little like snowflakes or something, right? Oh, I'm sorry I hurt your feelings. Oh, it's terrible. But you know what's going to happen, right? You know what's going to happen? She's going to pop up. And you're going to get white girl tears. And soon she start crying. Poof. She's going to become the victim. What are your thoughts? 833-212-1017 is the number. I know we got some calls on different topics, so we just going to take them. Al, you're on the new 1017 The Truth. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Uh, I would like to ask you a question. Uh, I notice when I bring up to people that their vote, a black man's and black woman's vote, is more powerful than any God, I notice a lot of people get offended. Okay, but when I look at every when I look at everything, it's not the religion they're trying to stop; it's the vote of the black man and black woman. Well, can I ask you, Al, can why you, you say that? Why 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 do you say well, that it's it's more powerful? 
Well, I say it because you're on earth. God is not passing no bills and no laws, but the vote of the black man and black woman can. That's what they're trying to take away. And when you look at religion, he who controls the religion controls the people. Well, that's but less. The vote uh-huh. is what they want. So, and vote is what so explain to, to me stop. how they're trying to stop the vote. Well, you know how they make it hard for black people to stop. They they're asking for IDs. They're asking for all this stuff. But you they're know, asking, but they're stop. asking everybody for an ID, Al. They're asking everybody for an ID. They're not asking just black people, and black people have IDs. So why is that a problem? Well, because black people are just pretty much was able to vote. I believe it was what just in the eight. It was the late eighteen hundred, early nineteen hundred. Yeah, but it's twenty twenty three. Black vote, but it's twenty twenty three. I understand that, but even today, it's the black vote that is dangerous. And for some reason, thirteen percent of the vote is dangerous. I'm, I'm, I'm just yes, playing devil's is. advocate because I'm, I'm trying to get more, more out of you. Well, the re- the reason why I'm saying this is mm-hmm. because if black people recognize the violence within their vote, it will push them to vote even more than sitting there with their arms crossed saying, I'm going to wait for God to do it. But if you so vote, I, I don't wait, 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 wait. I don't know if you can generalize and say that black people are waiting for God to do something and that that's why they're not voting because well, I've never reason, heard that. Well, well, well I, I hear it all the time. They say, well, I'm going to wait for God. I say, well, God, God can't pass bills and laws. God can't vote, but the power in your vote can, Mm -hmm. because God is powerful after death. You're on earth. You got free spirit and free will. Your power is within your vote. So let me ask you a question, Al. How do you feel about people that decide that they, they decide in exercising their free will and right to not vote? Well, they just don't they they just don't recognize their true power, so you get what you get. Bottom line. If you don't want to put in the work, you don't get nothing. No. So don't cry no, when they but take I, but your I, stuff if, away. If I decide not to pay if I decide not to vote, I still pay taxes. So I still have skin in the game because I'm literally paying you to work for me. Well, that might be that might be true too, but if you're not gonna vote, don't complain with this. What does voting do? Pay. Like you, you've you've said a lot of. Can do you, a, let me finish. Okay, you've, well, you've done a lot of you've done okay, a lot of pontificating, ahead. but I need to know what is voting supposed to do when we're only fourteen percent of the population. Well, well, let me see. If black, let me see. If every black person voted when we had an election, it would show that black people are powerful and that they're dangerous with their vote. But what if you our candidate didn't win? Well, that's new. That's because a lot of people are jaded, bitter, and they're on something personal. That's why they don't win. And I'm talking about black folks, and we all know how black people can be. But, but you can't I talk out of both world. sides of I your face, Because like now you're saying that, that they I'm vote. And, like I well, I, I get that, and, and I can actually appreciate that. But if you're saying that that they vote and then nothing happens, and then you're telling them if they don't vote, nothing happens, why bother? Well, for me, may I share this with you? Yes, sir. When we're certain candidates running, mm-hmm. I ask people, well, are you going to vote? They said, well, I can't vote for her because she don't look right in the eyes of God. Okay, this is what was told to me by a lot of religious people. But what said, you well, can't do, you but what you can't, well, but what you can't do is dismiss how they feel about it because you disagree. It's as valid as yours. All right, well, we'll see how that plays out then. Okay. Thank you. All right.
More of The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris is next on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris is next on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris. Be sure to tune in to Truth in the Afternoon this afternoon. Maybe Saturday. Thursday? Anyway, Saturday at 11 o'clock, right after the 10 o'clock show that I'm on, Soft Life Chronicles presented by all of us Milwaukee at the Center for Community Engagement and Health Partnerships with Denise Thomas. They'll be joined by representatives from all of us to discuss the health outreach prevention education and the General Baptist State Convention from a woman's side. So make sure you check it out. Be sure to listen to Soft Life Chronicles at 11 a.m. Saturday, presented by all of us in Milwaukee. 833-212-1017 is the number. People, you know, go, going back to Al's call, and, and thank you for that, Al. We, we have different, we, we have beliefs that are our own. So when people say they don't see certain things in people for whatever reason, religion, um, morals, ethics, whatever, that's their prerogative. And so in looking at what Al said, God isn't for after you're dead. God is a right now God, like today, like this minute. So I don't, I'm not, I don't know if I'm, I'm not, I disagree with Al, but I'm not saying Al's wrong. Does that make sense? Okay. I think that voting is important, but the fact that you live in America and you decide not to exercise your vote, that's your prerogative. You shouldn't be harassing people or telling people they're trying to suppress a vote by giving you an ID card that you already have because you buy liquor, you buy cigarettes, you buy smokes, you buy medication, you get welfare, you get Social Security. I'm talking everybody in, in the city. I'm not talking about the black community. I'm talking about everybody. So now the fact that they had to say you could only use a certain kind of ID, that. Al is 100% correct. And that's when they loosened it and said, well, you're going to have to use school ID. School ID is state ID if it's from a state school. Even a private school, you had to verify who this person is through their FAFSA, which is through the federal government. If that's good enough, I should be able to vote. Are we seeing things that are not there? Or does Al actually have a point? But to tell me we constantly vote and then we constantly don't win, I don't know if voting is the way that that's going to happen. Unless it's local, maybe in the city. 
I mean, it has its good points. It has its bad points. And I think that's what we really need to examine. If we spend as much time voting and going to the poll or figuring out a way for everybody to vote instead of trying to to game it so that our people win, we spend an inordinate amount of time screaming about we don't like Republicans when Democrats haven't done anything for us. We just feel good. But feeling good has never given us anything. And I'm still waiting. And no, I'm not saying join the Republican Party, join the Democratic Party. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying at some point, shouldn't we be open to looking at who's going to give us what we need? And that's pretty much anybody, if you're a voter. It's going to be weird the next few years. It's going to be bizarre the next few years. And we're going to have to hold on. We've got elections coming up next year. We've got the economy about to tank, even though it has already. I mean, there's so many things that are going on. My fear is that when it comes to politics, we're going to take our eye off the ball. We're going to start looking because somebody's going to say, hey, look over there. Donald Trump. And then they're going to pull a pass. I can't even talk today. What is it? Then they're going to pull a fast one over here. And the next thing we know, we're going to look up and we're still going to be on the outside looking in. You know, kind of the same way we are under the Biden administration. And then we always ask. And they tell us, I'll give you a program. More of The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris is next on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com.